Um, that is awesome on so many different levels. Like that just, that's just so wonderful. Like you're thinking, like is, is, is Eric putting her up to that? Is that just Alice being Alice? Or, just what's going on over there in that? You know, you want to take a little a little side trip here for a second. I, th- I might have said this before, but a lot of times people kind of question, like, okay, so here's here's one of the arguments against um, against against the Bible in general as as being its accuracy, its truth. It's a lot of people say, how can you believe or trust the Bible is true, is accurate when it was written thirty. 40, sometimes 50 years after it happened, right? Has anybody ever heard this, right? Like, oh, man. And the way that we remember things now is we just simply write it down. But in a culture when writing was 70 to 80% of the culture was illiterate, couldn't read or write, again, little children, right, they have these phenomenal memories where they bring up all these things, and it's just like, oh, yeah, remember when that happened and that happened and that happened? And when you can't write things down, the way that your memory works, right, is just so much sharper than the way that our memory works. So to remember something 30, 40, 50 years down the line is like, oh, yeah, of course you would do that because that's how you knew things in that day and time is you memorized things. And, again, we just live in a time when, you know, again, I said this about memory. It's a muscle. It just you develop it. You build it. You grow it. Um, and you know, in, in a time, an age where you just did that throughout your life. You just had to remember. You weren't writing things down. You weren't taking a note in your phone. Siri wasn't reminding you, all those sorts of things. You just would do that. But, yeah, you're right, Shannon. It's, it's not as easy because I think the older that we get, we depend more and more on outside things to remind us and teach us and help us learn. So we lose that, that, that power for, for memory. <clears throat> um. Maybe we'll come back to this in a little bit <clears throat> before the end of the service. But, again, I hope that this is one of the more profound things that, that you guys encounter throughout this whole series. What I do want to talk about this morning, though, <clears throat> is these two elephants in the room. And we can start by um, reading Colossians 3, 8, 18 through 4, 1. So if you've got a Bible or a phone... And I got a, I got a, normally when I do a sermon, it's usually about four or five pages of notes. I got about nine today, so I have no idea how far we'll get. Um, and I'm just going to go for about 30 minutes or so, and then we'll, we'll call it, we'll call it a, a morning at that. Because, yeah, I don't think you guys are really excited to sit through nine pages of notes. <laughs> um, so, yeah, let's read this in the round. 18 through 4-1. Somebody get us started. And uh, we'll just kind of take a, take a shot each verse. <clears throat> Wives, submit yourselves to your husbands as it is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, do what you can This delights the master. Fathers, 
place of anger are the masters in everything, and do it not only with their eyes on you, and to curry their favor, but with the sincerity of heart and reverence of the Lord. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart, as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ that you are serving. Anyone who does wrong All right. So the two elephants that we got to probably talk about this morning is the two words, probably submit and slavery, right? So you kind of maybe come across this passage and, you know, the first one, uh, Shannon, you read it, wives, submit yourselves to your husbands as it is fitting to the Lord. And maybe some people like, oh boy. And then we start reading about instructions towards slavery. And this kind of oftentimes becomes one of those passages that people will point to and say, you know, look how irrelevant and regressive and dated the Bible is, right? Women, you are to submit. We don't do that anymore. We live in this time of, you know, equal rights and equal access for anyone. Slavery, what kind of a world, what kind of a book, what kind of would endorse slavery at all, right? So we get these two, I would say, kind of big elephants in the room that we need to discuss. How do we understand these, these sorts of things? Uh, I want to give a couple opening primers to think about these, how, for us to think about how we think about these passages, these passages, right? And then again, whatever time we have, we'll then kind of go down the line, women, husbands, children, we're going to march the children out here and uh, we'll let them know about obedience. And then we'll do, you know, parenting um, and then s- slaves and masters. So let me, let me just kind of, go through a couple, I guess, just opening primers. How do we think about the way that we think about these passages? The first thing I would say is this, duty and rights. Um, This whole passage is about duty and rights. We've all kind of been watching Queen Elizabeth passing, right? And is anybody, like, watching that, reading, caught up in that? Uh, Yeah, I've been watching this with my mom. You've been watching it with your mom? Uh, Off and on. I know that she died. Well, I, I don't know. I'm, sorry, I'm kind of auto. I mean, I know she's passed away. I know they have this whole process that they're going through. One of the things that maybe I've had an ear about, because I, I read this quote by N.T. Wright, and often you hear the queen and duty tied together, this word duty, right, which we don't really use in our, in our kind of culture. But we hear this, this kind of word, duty, passing, um, and Duty for the queen was this moral obligation, this this legal responsibility. Um, you know, get you hooked him up with a little little cough drop. Um, and this whole passage kind of rests on this balance between duty and rights, right? N.T. Wright says it like this: He says those in stronger roles, societal status, your duty is emphasized over your right. Right. While those in weaker roles, social status, rights are emphasized over duty. But this whole passage is going back and forth 
between duty and rights. What is my duty? What is my responsibility? What is my obligation morally to, towards those around me? And then again, what would be my right in that situation, right? So the passage, at this passage at least, is centering kind of around duty and rights. The second thing I would say about this is we've talked about this before, and, and I just want to hit on this again, the redemptive hermeneutic. Does anybody remember this? Anybody got anything on redemptive hermeneutic? Hermeneutic is a big church word that, that means a way to interpret the Bible, right? A, a device used to interpret the Bible. So in the past, I've used a, um, a passage in Deuteronomy. And there's a passage in Deuteronomy where Moses is instructing the people on how to treat um, spoils of war, women who were taken captive, right? So you have these women who are taken captive, and then Moses gives them instructions on what they are to do with these spoils of war, these women who are taken captive. And it's just like, give them time to mourn, um, allow them to bathe and clean themselves and change clothing. and do. There's all these instructions, right? So we encounter this passage in some senses as like, holy smokes, this is regressive. This is like spoils of war, women treated like this. But in some senses, the way that this passage would have been encountered then, right, in the, the time of Moses, the Israelites, would have been incredibly progressive, right? They were giving, for the first time, a woman who was a spoil of war was not just a piece of property. She had rights. She had, um, there were certain things that they had to do for this woman before she, anything could happen. So the redemptive hermeneutic in scripture is basically saying that God always does this. And this is how the Lord works. He works like this in our lives. He moves us from A to B to C. God isn't trying to take women, so to speak, women's roles in society from A all the way over to Y or Z or whatever, right? When we encounter this passage about submitting, about slavery, those sorts of things, think about the way that this passage in that time was furthering the conversation, was redeeming society, was bringing new life out of society. We, again, we will look back on that and say how regressive, how primitive, how irrelevant, those sorts of things, encountered in the first century, right? In which both wives and husbands were given equal roles, right? in which both children and parents were kind of given different roles, in which slaves and masters, this redemptive hermeneutic, the way that the Bible is moving the conversation forward, step by step by step, is something that we always have to keep in mind as we, as we encounter and understand the Bible. Any questions on those thoughts? Might have to do another go deeper into that. That's a really important um, kind of concept for us when we encounter the Bible. Uh, this passage is explicit for Christian households, right? This isn't like, hey, this is how everybody should, should operate out there in the world. This passage, um, as Paul's teaching this, is explicit for, um, for Christian households. Uh, all right, let's, let's try this. Colossians 3.17, the last verse. Anybody remember what that one is? Not there. You probably, I'm a, and whatever you do, right, whether in word or in deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through him, right? Whatever you do, word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
So Mark Minel, I thought this was so great that he made this point because Mark Minel says it like this, right? He, he links 317 in with this kind of next passage, right? So you have that whatever you do. And then Minel says, what better place to test and prove your dedication to the service and life of a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ than where? In your home right? Because we come on Sunday morning, and we're dressed nice, and we're smiling, and everything's great, right? But we all know who we are at home, right? And so Minel makes this great point where he says, whatever you do, you're doing it in the Lord Jesus Christ. And then Paul jumps right into like, again, kind of Christian households. What is it like to prove your dedication and service to Jesus Christ in your house, right? In these households. Um, so these instructions are explicit for Christian households. Uh, here's another one I think is important for us to think about is that men get the brunt, which I don't think that this is uh, obvious right away, right? Men get the brunt. And here's what I mean by this. Um, three di- in three different places, Men are given the instruction to them, right? So we start off with women who are to submit, right? And then you have husbands. And a husband would be the same as the father, most likely, right? And the husband and the father, most likely in most households, would also be the same as the master, right? So the men, for the most part, are getting the instruction and kind of getting the brunt. And what's really interesting about this passage, right? What's really interesting about this passage is that Paul doesn't, this is subtle, and you probably only get this kind of by looking at this passage, studying it, observing it. Paul is not instructing men, us men, on how to instruct others to, so to speak, keep ourselves on top. Again, in the first century, the, the dominance, right, and the societal structure of men as kind of the, the, those on the top, right? Paul is not instructing men um, on how to keep themselves on top or, or maximize usefulness of others, but it is this subtle and surprising call for men to be image bearers in all relationships. And here's what I mean by that. It is pointing us... It is pointing us back to the Lord, right? Notice in this passage how many times these roles, and again for men, are pointing us back to the Lord. For the women, right, fitting in the Lord, verse 20, pleasing to the Lord. For the Lord, 22, 23, 24, the Lord you are serving, the Master, the Lord in heaven. Everything points back to the Lord, right? So, um, let, me, let me say it like this. I got to see who I'm going to pick on this morning. I think, I think Ronnie needs it because he, he kind of was like, brought that little irritation level by dressing his son in Rams gear this morning, just kind of knowing that that would, a couple years down the, from down the line, like, Max has become kind of unruly, difficult, and... Uh, I decide I'm going to write a letter to Ronnie, right? And I, I'm going to write a letter to Ronnie about how to be a better dad because, you know, I've got things figured out. In my letter to Ronnie, it says, <clears throat> Ronnie, 
Carrot or the stick, my man. Carrot or the stick. You, 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 with your kids, I mean, you could use candy for the carrot. You could use TV time for the carrot. Just dangle something out there that's going to get them to behave better, right? Or, Ronnie, that stick. Give them that belt. We use the wooden spoon in our household. You know, even if you just take your belt and snap it and get real aggressive with them. Sometimes a good swat. Carrot and the stick, Ronnie. Carrot and the stick, right? And this would be the instructions on, like, Ronnie, like, keeping Ronnie on top. Ronnie, as, as the dominant one, having his child obey, you know, submit, keeping him on top, right? Or I write a letter to Ronnie and I say, hey, Ronnie, here, here's what I think you should do, right? Max is getting out of control. He's, you know, doing all these things. I think that you should humble yourself before the Lord. I think you should pray and fast for your children. I think that you should serve and love your children, right? So, one way is to get others to, the carrot and the stick, right? Get others to conform to you. Another way, again, as this Paul's doing in this passage, right? Allowing the Lord's agenda, allowing the Lord, allowing God to be the reference point and allowing that to flow through us. Does that make sense? And again, as we read this passage, it's not, that's not like a real obvious point, but you just kind of see it as it kind of gets hit it again and again and again. To the Lord, to the Lord, for the Lord, the Lord you are serving, the master of the Lord in heaven. Everything gets referenced back to the Lord, okay? Everything in this passage is about how the Lord would structure and establish relationships in Christian households, all right? Uh, so those kind of some primers. Duty and rights, this passage is about duty and rights. It's a redemptive hermeneutic. It's moving Christian households. It's moving society forward. Um, it's explicit for Christian households, right? God is moving this for Christian households. Men, we kind of get a lot of the instruction given towards us about how we're to be in this world, referencing and grounding ourselves back in the Lord. All right? Um, ready to move on to, to the first one? Anybody want to comment on my commentary? Not yet? Go for it. So as a new Christian, when I was 30, I loved the part where it says, wives submit to your husbands, because of my arrogance. But I had a mentor tell me the line in Ephesians... Uh, Five. Mm-hmm. In the same way, husbands all love their wives as their own bodies. Mm-hmm. So that's exactly what you're talking about. In the same way, like you were talking about, man, that we're supposed to emulate what you're talking about. Yeah. And it's not a pass that you're the king, head of the household. And I can't do that without, obviously, God being in me. Yeah, you're transitioning to it. So let's talk about this. Let's go into to, to the kind of women and submitting. And my first thought before I even say anything is like, ladies, when you read this passage, what kind of what just bubbles up? What's your, what's your gut level reaction to this one? Women, submit, to the, submit yourselves to your husbands as it is fitting to the Lord. Strong word, okay. Yeah, 
you'd have to trust the person you're submitting to. Anyone else? Um, and ladies, at any time, just, just you guys can just blurt out if you got something else, okay? But um, I, think, I think one of the, the best definitions as I was reading study on this, well, I thought this was just such a wonderful definition. This is, I think, also by Mark Minel, too. He defined submitting like this. He said, this is great, one equal person's voluntary acceptance of authority over another equal person, Right? One equal person's voluntary acceptance of authority over another equal person, right? So it, submit, for sure, a strong word. Um, and I think, you know, as we kind of even open this, this, this time, another primer in this particular one, Brian, you alluded to it, you know, like that, that kind of toxic, power drunk abuse of this verse by men, right? Like men have, have used this in the past um, really to just kind of, to, to kind of claim some sort of kingship authority, like yeah, right. When when you when you when you read this, right, one equal person's voluntary acceptance of authority over another equal person. The people are equal, right, but there is a different level of authority or acceptance or the acceptance of authority between two equal people, right. Um, <clears throat> The root of this word is is kind of equal uh, is is found in in military language in military rank, um, and so we we kind of can maybe picture maybe maybe not like the the screaming marine sergeant military rank. I I know I used uh, Saving Private Ryan a couple months ago, but that Tom Hanks is Captain Miller uh, in Saving Private Ryan. His his role in that in that film kind of. With with those guys who he's you know leading to go save Private Ryan that that came to mind. I had like a whole another sermon segment about that, but we'll we'll skip that. But you know this this just this definition: one equal person's voluntary acceptance of authority over another equal person. And I think that we see this all throughout society, all everywhere: work, politics, public safety, leisure, sports. You have captains, church, religious communities. And again, while simultaneously acknowledging kind of the toxic power drunk nature that that this that men have have used this in, right? There is this false narrative that this doesn't apply in marriages, right? Where husband wife relationships are exempt. So let me just let me just put a question. Maybe we'll discuss this later. Could it be a woman? Could could a man submit to a woman, right? That was my point. That was my point in the same way. Like, you know, it's exact, it's in the same way. I think she said, if you trust the person, you're equal. Yeah, in the olden days, the olden rules, you know, you have a master and mm-hmm. a husband. Mm-hmm. But it's that unconditional accepting. So, but I'm thinking like, okay, well, the Bible says this, right? That women are supposed to submit. Right, and then I'm thinking like, okay, well, the, the time and the age and the era that we live in, is there a status where women do the or men do the submitting to to a woman who, you know what I mean? So, 
just think about that for a second. I think I'm going to have time to come back to that in a little bit because I want to talk about that with men. But again, at, at face value right here, I see that hand. Yeah, and again, that's the equal to the equal, right? But then in this verse, the Bible saying women, and it uses this verse to kind of accept the that that a man has that authority over a woman, or that a, a husband, I'm sorry, a husband has that authority over a wife. Um, and again, this is we're talking specifically in Christian households, right? So this isn't like, hey, this is carte blanche for the whole the whole world in Christian households. So I, I, let me come back to that in a little bit, you know. Because I always kind of tripping a little bit like, could it be that a man submits to a woman, right? Could that be something to be said? Um, but again, Paul gives, and we got to go back to that, to, to this refrain that happens throughout, right? Because Paul says, for, for wives to submit to their husbands, and then he adds this, you know, who is that? Somebody trying to break into the rec hall? Oh, you're checking on James. So see who see who's knocking out the door and they're probably knocking on the chalkboard. All right, all right. Let me get let me get back to it again. Paul gives this this refrain, right? So wives submit to your husbands, and then he says this as fitting in the Lord, right? So Brian, this is similar to where you know Ephesians five, submit one to another, right? Um, as fitting in the Lord. So I, I think this is the best way that I could explain this. Ladies, if you have ever purchased an article of clothing, shoes, hat, blouse, just based on a recommendation or a similar size from a friend, right? You, <laughs> you guys are wearing a similar article of clothing today. This works great. I, I bought this shirt. Oh, of course, that is exactly going to fit me. She, we're the same size. I know the right one to get. We're the same shoe size, right? You know it will fit you based on, um, on how it fits them. So when I read this, you know, uh, wives submit to your husbands as fitting to the Lord, I think that that's the concept here, is that if you were to be, wives, if you were to be given some sort of directive, some order, some communication, at some level somebody establishes some authority, you kind of just take that command, right? And literally you try it on Jesus, right? If Jesus would humbly and, and gladly and joyfully accept that command, like if it fits Jesus, then it would fit you. Does that make sense? If it's fitting to the Lord, then it would be, be fitting to you. Um, so, we have this, this kind of women to submit. Again, one equal person's voluntary acceptance of authority over another person. And again, as fitting in the Lord, if it, if it, if it would fit on Jesus, if Jesus would be able to wear that, that order, that communication, that directive, that authority. Oh, there they go. Huh? So this is the best part of the, the whole time right here, right? From the outside? From the inside. No, the kids are in the door. Sheesh. Pastor's kids. It's a good transition because now we've got to talk about husbands. Yes, sir. Could it be that when Paul was writing this, he was addressing what was the social norms in that society? Yeah, and, and again, this takes us back to the redemptive hermeneutic, right? 
So Paul is giving instructions to women, which normally women wouldn't even be addressed, right? So the fact that you're sitting in a church gathering and here's a letter being written to you um, that is even addressing the role of women is even a step forward, right? Men would get together. They would make the decisions. They would be the orators. They would be the ones that would, you know, but men, women, gathering together, Paul's given a direction, that's even, to me, a step forward that we might not have seen in, in other places, you know. So, yeah, that's a, that's a big point that, that he's doing that here. So then he, he gets to, to husbands, right? And you always have to link these two together. Notice wives and husbands go together. Notice children and parents go together. <laughs> Notice slaves and masters go together. Um, he gets to husbands, and he says, love Notice right away, we get, we get double the portion, right? Wives, submit to your husbands as, as it's fitting in the Lord. Husbands, you're to love and not be harsh, two to one, right? God's saying, boys, you guys got to step up. I'm giving you a, a double. So I was thinking about this again too. Like, okay, we, we, we had that great definition for, for, for submission. One equal person's voluntary acceptance of authority over another equal person. Okay, let's define... Let's define uh, kind of define love and um yeah we'll go we'll go this way two definitions two definitions of love the word that's used there is the greek word agapo right we probably all are familiar with this word the three greek loves the phileo that's that that brotherly love philadelphia right the the city of brotherly love there's that eros love that romantic that kind of erotic love and then there's that agapo love right? That self-sacrificial giving love, right? This is oftentimes the love that we have with our children is most naturally expressed to our children where we would do anything and sacrifice everything for our children, right? Um, And so we see this, this kind of love expressed chiefly with Jesus on the cross. While you're yet sinners, Christ died for you. He did it because he did it out of love, and, you know, Tim Keller's, Tim Keller's great secret of marriage, the secret of marriage is to be able to love, to give, to serve, to bless, to care when you're getting little or none in return. That's agapo love, is that when your spouse isn't reciprocating that love, you're still able to care and bless and love and serve those, even when you're not getting that. It's easy to love other people when you're being loved, Right? But when somebody's not expressing that love, to be able to do that, and Keller says that that takes an outside source, right? That's why we depend on the love that we get from the Holy Spirit. So husbands, love your wife. Now you can choose definition number one, right? Self-sacrificial, giving love, to, to be able to do that, even when you're getting little or none in return. Husbands, you could choose definition number two, right? Go to 1 Corinthians 13, see how Paul defines loves there. Are you being patient with your wife? Are you being kind? Are you not envious? I was trying to think of like the the inverse of that. You know, not being envious of your wife, right? That kind of self-aggrandizing where you kind of put yourself at the center, right? You're not not envious. You're not self-aggrandizing. You're not proud, right? Again, pride is just that kind of ranking yourself over your wife. It's not dishonoring your wife. It's not self-seeking, you're not being easily angered. 
You're forgiving your wife freely. You're not delighting in evil. You have truth that happens between the two of you. It's protecting your wife. It's trusting your wife. It's hoping. It's uh, persevering, right? So I think we define love like this, husbands, as we kind of think about love, right? God calls us to love our wives, right? To love our wives. And you choose your definition or you can combine them and double down. That's, that's, that is a massive call for us husbands, right? To live in this kind of love towards our wife. Then, right? Then we get the, the second part, which is not to be harsh with your wives, uh, the Zondervan commentary, I, I liked how they kind of explained this out because, that, again, that word harsh, using a word that suggests a surly, irritable attitude. And I was like, surly? They, surly is a bike brand. That's how I know surly. But um, what does surly mean? Like that's kind of one of those words that's a little bit out of our use. Unfriendly. And then I just picked the good ones here. Crotchety. <coughs> cantankerous and grumpy, right? Don't, husbands, love your wives. You want to go back and pick your definition? Don't be unfriendly, crotchety, cantankerous, grumpy, irritable, surly. Don't be harsh. Um, If you were to kind of pull back the curtain a little bit in, in, in our home, in the Williams home, this one right here, Robin's probably thinking to herself, oh man, I know that the Lord was preaching to Eric this week. This one right here is me. And you might not see that because it's church and we're all smiling and thinking we're all nice and everything's wonderful at home. This is 100% me. Where I get grumpy, I get a little bit, I get cold, I become unfriendly, um, irritable. That's me, right? And I was then kind of like, I really was convicted by this a lot this week, just reading this. And then I just, you know, kind of go, I don't know why I chose this, this picture of Harrison Ford. Because I, I go, like, how do I fix it? And, you know, we're dudes, so we pull out the toolbox and we say, oh, I'm going to fix it. And I'm going to get it done, you know, probably by the end of the weekend, you know, because how do I fix it? And there's, there's, there's the normal stuff, repent, prayer, accountability, disciplines, um, counseling, and then I was really starting to think, like, when I go to this kind of, you know, don't be harsh, right? Don't be surly. Don't be irritable. Don't be grumpy, right? I really started thinking. Here's what I was really convicted. I was like, man, it starts with desire. It starts with, like, a vision of who I want to be. Again, we can go back in reference to the Lord, right? Everything is referenced, grounded, um, relativized by God's presence, right? This is who I want to be. This is my desire. And this is just like, and I'm just thinking to myself, so this is where I'm going to get back to the wives and the submission. This is where I'm just like, I just look at these black and white words on a piece of paper. And I'm like, I just got to obey that. Like, I just got to look at those words. And I just got to obey what God's telling me to do here. Like, I'm not going to try and relativize it or excuse my behavior or say, well, it's been a long day, or, you know, this sort of thing. I just got to look at those words. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. Those eleven words and say, I'm going to do that. I'm just going to obey it, right? So, you know, I was really challenged just to simply obey. Man, this word harsh, 
loving, just really obey it. And then I'm like, okay, well, if I'm being called just to flat out do this, face value, then I go back to the submit. And I'm like, uh, you know, can you say the same for women? Here's, here's my, my, my bridge to that. What's the Holy Spirit speaking to you, ladies, right? What's the Holy Spirit speaking to you? When I read this, when I read this and def- looked at this harshness, grumpy, unfriendly, crotchety, cantankerous, irritable, that's me. And the Holy Spirit says, you need to change this area in your life. Just flat, look at those words in the Bible. If you want to take this thing seriously, if you want to do this, you need to do this. And so going back to the ladies, what's the Holy Spirit saying to you, right? What's the Holy Spirit speaking to you in this verse and how you interpret it and how you encounter it? So let's go back to Harrison Ford for a second. Um, I don't, I don't, you know, I have some, like, that's like page four. (laughs) I think I have five more pages. Let's take a break. Uh, and for questions, I I had this thought of doing questions, uh, but what I want to do is just turn to the person, even though we didn't get to children and, and, and parents, and I missed the parents in there or fathers. We didn't get to fathers. Um, we didn't get to children, fathers or parents, slaves and masters. Turn to the person next to you. And I was just trying to bridge these, these two passages, right? Colossians 3.12, therefore is God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, Clothe yourself, right, with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience. Um, if you were to kind of just take a stab at, you know, when you were in, when you were in um, elementary school and your teacher would have you, like, draw lines to different ones, you know, how, how would you do that? Like, if, if you were to, just, like, a choose a, a word for, for women, right, like, what would that word be for husbands? What would that word be for children? You know, all these sorts of things. Just... Kind of have fun. No right answers. No wrong answers. Just a way to kind of discuss a little bit of, of what, we, I mean, like I said, we only got here this morning. We didn't get to the next part. But, you know, just kind of connecting some of those dots. Just take a few minutes and, and do that. Does that sound good? Just have some fun with that. And if, if there's other commentary, by the way, on submission, on loving, on harshness, feel free to t- chat about that for a little bit too. But, yeah, for this time, I was just like, yeah, if you were to just draw some lines, how would you do that? Okay? All right.